0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: The baseball season is go go go. It's non-stop, relentless for every night, 6 straight months and then hopefully another month in October. Andrew Rotondi, and Scott Ryan. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. We've got a special episode for you today. I was joined by The Athletics, Eno Saris. He writes a lot of analytics pieces on, on The Athletic, and he's extremely knowledgeable about Um, What's been going on this year with the quote dejuiced baseball, the dead end baseball and how that's changed and where offense has gone across the league. Obviously, we're all aware that batting average is just plummeted, that strikeouts are skyrocketing. And it seems like the only way teams are scoring now is by the home run. Uh, I know that's not new news to anyone, but it's 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 like over the top. So far in 2021. So I talked to, you know, about all that stuff. And the reason I wanted to have him on is because we actually got two mailbag questions that um, enticed me to to talk about this topic. And they were from Julio Mavares and Drew asking about the d baseball. Uh, Julio asked if we wanted to do an eye test versus nerd test segment. Um, I'll do it real quick for you, Julio. Eye test. There's no offense. Nerd test. There's no offense. So guess what? They're matching up. And then Drew asks about uh, what's going on with the dejuiced baseball. What's exit velocity? What's spin rate? What's batting average? Well, we get into all that stuff with Eno. he he wrote um, an article about the baseball in the Athletic I think a couple of weeks ago uh, describing the differences in the construction of it and what has happened and he explains this on on explains that on this podcast so I think you guys are gonna enjoy this a lot. Um, And Scott and I will be doing our Friday Fives episode Friday morning, Um, so tune in for that as well. Hope you guys enjoy this episode with Eno. Okay, I'm very happy to bring on to the podcast Eno Saris from The Athletic. Eno, thanks for joining. Uh, Thanks for having me on. So there's this This trend in baseball, I guess we'll call it a trend, but uh, a lot of people are writing about how offense is just nowhere to be had this season and we're only a month and a half in. So I guess small sample size alert, but it's, I know it's something you've written about and a lot of people, um, you know, in the, in the, in the industry have, have written about. So what are your takeaways so far as we're about a month and a half into the season?
2: Yeah. I, you know, I think that basically baseball did the worst thing possible with the ball this year. <laughs> I think they were just royally I can't screwed it up.
1: Baseball did the worst thing possible. That's so unlike them.
2: Yeah. Um, they didn't, uh, so they, they, they made this announcement that they were deadening the ball and, um, you know, Ken Rosenthal, uh, Ken Rosenthal and I broke that story and, and and did some reporting on it and some work on it. And according to them, Players would lose a foot or two off a 375-foot uh, homer um, or or fly ball. So they, I talked to an analyst for a team, and he said, we'll lose about 5% of homers. We'll probably go back to sort of 2017, 2018 offensive levels. Um, I think they missed the mark a little bit. And part of why is a, a failure on their part to test the drag. So once you change anything about the ball, you're going to change the drag, which is Um, it's going to affect the way the ball goes to the plate and it's going to affect the way the ball flies in the air. So I think there was some uh, unestimated change there that they weren't ready for. Um, And then there was some stuff that maybe wasn't, it was not anticipatable, but like maybe if they had tested the drag, they would have noticed this. So what happened is the ball is lighter. They changed the ball and made it lighter. So the ball will come off the bat a little bit faster. So if you look at barrels, exit velocity, stat cast stats, they're up. But because they deadened the bounce, because there's more drag, it's not going as far. So homers are gone. And here's the very worst part. Because there's more drag and it's lighter, pitchers can throw it harder and it moves more. So it's like a we're seeing, we, we had leveled off, like velocity is going up and up and up every year since we started tracking it. But it had leveled off for three years. It was around 93 and a half average velocity in league. This year it's going to be 94 plus. Mm. And this is the first, this is the biggest jump year over year in like 12 years. You're talking fastball velocity? Yeah. So this is the biggest jump in 12 years. And on top of that, we're also seeing the biggest jump in curveball movement and breaking ball movement. Uh, They're dropping more, and that has to do with drag. So basically, that's a big source of the strikeout rate. So now the strikeout rate is above 25% for the first time ever because balls are moving more, and they're faster than ever before. And then when they do hit the ball, it looks like they're hitting it hard, but it's not going as far. So that's that's just a really bad combination where you sap the homers out of the game and you add strikeouts. So (laughs) it's like... If they keep going down this 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 path, then we're just going to have like 30% strikeout rates for everybody and no homers and nobody wants that.
1: When baseball announced they were deadening the ball, I was excited because uh, to be honest with you, I I was a little turned off by the alarming home run rates because I always use the example, Brett Gardner hit 28 home runs. I'm sorry, Brett Gardner is not a 28 home run hitter. That's just, he's not, he's been in the league over a decade. He's, he hits 12 home runs, not 28. So, right. I didn't I didn't like the fact that we were just getting these wild totals. so I was excited, okay, maybe deadening the ball and then you'll truly know who the home run hitters and who aren't the home run hitters. but what like like you all like you just outlined, it's really had other consequences that they didn't foresee and it it baffles me how they couldn't have foreseen this and tested this fully to to roll it out and have have it be correct. I mean, I don't understand how baseball how we found ourselves in this situation over the past five years.
2: Yeah, I don't know. And what's even weirder is that baseball bought Rawlings. So baseball, you know, even in the memo that they leaked, I mean, they basically leaked it, um, the the memo that we found and reported on. Even in that memo, they said, we instructed Rawlings not to use these balls until we tested it further. You instructed Rawlings, you are Rawlings. Like, what do you mean? They kind of like almost tried to throw Rawlings under the bus where it's like, Okay, I understand corporate structure is different, blah 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 blah. Yeah, but you are you own Rawlings. You you shouldn't be surprised by them bringing a new ball to you. You should have commissioned the new ball and tested the new ball and not ever told them, "No, we can't use
1: this yet." So they test everything uh, else. They test all these rules in the minors five exactly. years in advance before doing it. Test the ball at AAA for a year, then then roll it out in the major leagues.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that, that that's what they should have done, and especially. You know, they'll say things like, oh, we changed the ball less than one tenth of an ounce. Well, balls are very small. And in fact, one tenth of an ounce is, is two and a half grams. And if you say it that way, you realize, oh, the most they could change the weight of the ball without informing the rules committee and without making a bigger deal out of it was 2.8 grams. So they changed it as much as they possibly could. So I just, I think that's weird. <laughs> like why deaden it and also make it super light? I think that was a poor decision.
1: You mentioned earlier that they predicted the offense to be more like the 2017 2018 levels, which still had a ton of home runs. It just wasn't to the insane levels that we saw in 2019. So, is the data supporting that so far?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, let's 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 get the uh, the old Fangraphs leaderboard out. <laughs> um, you've got uh, home runs per nine uh, before the juice ball era 2014. They're at 0.9. Um, at the peak of the juice ball era one point four a game. That was 2019. So they, I think they've obviously wanted to pull back from that. They they thought that was too many homers. Um, and this year it's 1.16, which be exactly 2016, 2017. Plus you think about the fact that it's April, it's colder. There'll be a little bit more uh, going forward. So I think right between 2016, and 2017, that makes sense. However, uh, the strikeout rate uh, in 2014 was 20.4 percent. In 2016 it was 21.1 percent. Okay this year it's 24.2%. So that's like the major problem there is that strikeouts are through the roof and it it still has something to do with the ball. And I know there's probably someone yelling at their radio right now. Uh, it's not a radio, but whatever (laughs) yelling at me right now. Oh, it's because batters are, uh, trying to hit home runs with every swing and this and that. Um, yes, but for the last five years, batters have had this uh, change where there's not as many two-strike uh, approaches. Everybody knows. Actually, I would say for the last sort of 15, 20 years, everyone has known the home run is the best thing that a, a batter can do, and they should try to hit home runs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that that happened between 2015 and now. You know? I don't think like five years ago, someone's like,
1: hey. Has that ever happened? Like even 68, like you're the pitcher, was it that low? Was it that bad?
2: Well, we just didn't have the the strikeout rate as high, so you know it, it right. hasn't ever gotten to that point. But modern baseball has the strikeout rate, so that's the risk: is that you add the strikeout rate with the dead or ball. So,
1: what what do you think is like the ideal happy medium for for strikeouts and home runs? It's a good question. I, you know
2: there there are, there are signs that baseball is really healthy in terms of TV ratings, streaming ratings are through the roof. Um, excitement has been pretty good. Uh, there are they're good athletes. Uh, I think they're getting a little better at marketing the athletes. So, uh, you know, what's wrong with baseball now? It seems like, you know, guys are throwing super hard. Guys are hitting jacks. It's exciting. There's even a little bit more celebration and, and, and life to the sport. Is there really anything wrong with this type of baseball? But I will say this. The strikeout rate bothers me because if you are at home and you watch on the TV and baseball is optimizing for the TV experience, I think footballs done this, you know, and other sports have done this. They're Mm -hmm. optimizing for the TV experience because uh, TV is more important. There's more money there, blah, 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 blah. So they optimize for the TV experience. When you watch a strikeout on your TV, I think you can say, whoa, like you can sort of pitching ninja. Oh my God. Like that curveball was amazing. And look how he just dotted the corner of that zone and that fastball. And, you know, that was, that was a great strikeout, right? When you're at the park, I think it's totally different. For 80% of the park, they have no idea what that pitch looked like. Well, you can't see it. You can't see it. You're you you yeah. I love yeah. it when people yell, they're like, Oh, that wasn't a strike, and then like the bleachers, and you're like, What? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have superhuman eyesight? Yeah.
2: Like, can you see around the batter? Like you're not even at the right angle. So, like, I've played this game where I've tried to watch a game from the bleachers and from, like, third base or second base and been like, I think that was a breaking ball. But do you know the difference between, like, it was a cutter or slider or a curveball? Like, you know, that, that requires TV experience. And so what I've noticed is that, like, People are on the phone at the park. And some of that's okay because baseball is a little bit like cricket, where it's like, let's go hang out at the park all day. It's going to be three or four hours and we're going to chill and we're going to talk. We're going to ha- catch up and we'll see some cool stuff. And, you know, that's baseball's not as like rah, 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 like as crazy of a, a fan experience as some other sports. And I think that you can lean into that. But at the same time, you'll see people on the phones and if they hear the crack of the bat, they look up. Yeah. So I think, I do think that the strikeout rate is a problem. I think that there's too many strikeouts, and I think that more balls in play are exciting, and that we should do something about that. Now, what we do is just as big a question as when you look back at the ball, like do they do the right things to the ball, like what is the better thing to do with the ball, like yeah. So the, the, the you're that, that begs that that brings you the bigger question of like what to do about the strikeout rate.
1: Yeah, and <clears throat> like you said, baseball financially is very healthy and by all these metrics it's doing better than ever but i i as a fan of baseball for 30 years and someone who watches the game it's just not as exciting to watch a game as it was 10 or 20 years ago not an, not a, not as much happens in the three hours and 10 minutes that i sit down and watch the yankees game as that happened in 2010 it's just and that's a quantifiable fact. that's like 100 so,
2: true there yeah. are more strikeouts than hits so you know for the first time ever right so that that means there's just less happening
1: yeah so and and i i think of it not just from from an individual fan of a team perspective but as a fan of the sport how do we make this more exciting and and i think there are things that they should try And, and then that goes to the question like you said the million dollar question is what do you try do you move the mound back do you limit shifting do you change the strike zone like do all these little tweaks help change approach what's your opinion on all of these different things that are being discussed
2: i think my my top line overall arching overarching opinion is try all of it try all of it and like you like we were talking about with the ball test it try all of it test it and don't test it for one year i don't think test it for a few years test it at different levels let it let it soak in let's see what cuz there's always primary effects like what like what happens right away And then there's, uh uh-oh, we incentivize this other thing, right? (laughs) So, like, you know, if you move the mound back, I wrote a story about this, where if you move the mound back, you might be incentivizing, like, 80% breaking ball usage because breaking balls will come in at such an angle that they'll just be so hard for people. Like, imagine Rich Hill from, like, a foot back. This is another thing. If anybody's listening plays softball, there are rules in softball, in some softball leagues, about how high you can throw the ball right? That makes sense. Cause at a certain angle, it's
1: next to impossible to hit. Right.
2: And there, there are people with like sky balls who like throw a pitch so that it lands on the plate. And if it comes straight down from like, it, it, like if you took it to absurdity and you threw it a mile up and it was coming straight down, how would you ever hit that thing? So, um, it's not as absurd as that one foot is not as big a deal, but moving at a foot will change the angle, at which pitches cross the plate. And so there, you know, one pitching coordinator told me, I'll just have all my pitchers throw eighty percent breaking balls. Now, if we, if we had a league that was all Rich Hill and Sergio Romo, um, it might be it might be an issue. Um, and that's a thing that can happen actually with with the automated strike zone too, because it's a little bit like in uh, it serves. will happen. It happened a little bit in tennis, and it, and it, and if you've got the you're just waiting for the beep, right? Almost like you you're ready to clip the zone, like the Sergio Romo slider that barely clips his zone and ends up like a foot outside of the zone is very rarely called a strike right now by humans and the rich hill curve ball that does clip the zone, but hits the plate also very rarely called the, even the Corey Kluber front door two seamer that crosses the, that, that looks like a ball and crosses the plate late. That's very rarely called a strike. It's it's more of a 50 50 call than it should be, you know? Um, and so th- all those pitches will be incentivized by robot umps. And so, the one thing I do like about robot umps, though, is it allows you to be precise. So let's say that's happening. Well, then you say, okay, well, then let's change the strike zone by an inch. Let's, let's shrink it. Let's do this. Let's, and instead of telling the umpires, hey, let's all call above the knees instead of below knees or whatever it is, and then you have to wait three years before it's really you know sunk in and, and become official, with the robot zone, you can be like, well, it's happening now. You know. So I like the robot zone because it allows you to be precise about tinkering with the game. Um, and, uh, so I like that about it. I like moving the mound because it, it basically sets us back, you know, 10, 15 years in terms of velocity. It, it, it makes a 95 mile an hour fastball, a 93 mile an hour fastball. And I think that's okay. I think that would be good for the game. Um, but I also would rather test the mound moving back for two or three years to make sure we don't get an entire league of Sergio Ramos.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I also think about the potential injury implications. These guys have been throwing at a certain distance their entire lives. And then all of a sudden you tell them, well, guess what? Next year you're throwing an extra foot. I I have to imagine that's going to have consequences.
2: I mean, they tested it and I I respect Glenn Fleissick so much. The the work that he does at the um, ASMI. I don't even know what it stands for. I I use the jargon so much. Uh, American. I don't know what it is. Anyway, he does a lot of testing where they do lab testing and that's cool Lab testing showed that a bunch of uh, college players that m- were pitching from a mound uh, uh, from a foot back uh, didn't really change their, their, their deliveries. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'm not sure that'll translate 100% to, you know, a closer trying to get an out in a big game. You know, uh, I think they'll know. So they'll say, OK, it says 95 up there and it's always said 95 up there. But people hit my 95 a lot harder now because it's actually 93. So now I got to throw 97 and that'll just continue the kind of arms race. It'll set us, it'll push the needle back 10 years, but it won't do anything about incentivizing. Like we'll still, they'll still try to throw harder and we'll still, we'll still march forward. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just quickly on the robot ump thing. I think if they don't implement robot umps, they should remove the strike zone box from television (laughs) broadcast. That's, That's. that's the umpire's worst friend that allows everyone on their couch and everyone on Twitter to be an umpire. Oh, dude, oh, missed man. the box by a centimeter. It's like, just take that off and, and we won't know the and difference. And the dirty
2: little secret is that zone is not very good.
1: Of course it's not. It's not It's not exact, but it, it causes people to freak after out. After the game,
2: after the, like the, the stuff that the umpires actually get evaluated on, after the game, every track man dump, every sort of number dump that they get gets washed. And part of the washing is being more exact about the height of the player. You'll see it sometimes when you're watching. The strike zone box will jump around a little. Like, you'll actually see it sometimes. Like, watch, like, on Altuve at bat or judge. Guys who are, like, extreme big or little, the the thing will move a little bit. And that's because they're kind of trying to judge where his body is in real time. And it's always going to be way better if you, like, breathe for a second, you know, run the algorithm that takes... Because the algorithm takes... Even if it takes, like, 10 seconds per pitch, that's too much to do it during the game, you know, of course. So, uh, you know, they they do wash the data afterwards to try and make it more precise. And so, yeah, so what you're looking at is not always right. And so if they were doing robot umps, that would mean that they'd gotten the data so good in real time that that box would be better. That's the, that's the divide. That's what we're waiting on. That's what we're sort of testing and waiting on is getting that box to match up because if he's getting a, a thing that says ball or strike in his ear, then that means that they've got to have the zone pretty nailed. And so then that, that means in real time. So that means that they can then put on TV. I, I totally agree with you that either have it perfectly nailed and have the robo arms doing it or chill out on the, on the, on the zone box.
1: We all got excited about it when they implemented it. Cause it's like, you're playing MLB I the show. More. It's like, Oh, this is cool. I can see, <laughs> I can see where the pitch is going, but I really think, uh, after watching it, I don't know exactly what year they implemented it. It's, I feel like it's at least six, seven years at this point. Um, I, I'm done with it. Just, just because I, I don't, I don't need well, to, I don't need to, I don't need to, fr- I don't need to freak out about a change up missed call in the fourth yeah, inning on yeah. April 15th. I have I'm to tell sorry, you, though, I just don't need to freak the out. other way,
2: that. robot arms are coming of all the things that we're talking about. The most certain I am of these changes is that robot arms are coming because they did it in indie ball and then they did it in short season they did it in the Arizona Fall League. They did it in A Ball. It's just marching along. It'll be in double A exactly. in a year or two, and it'll be in triple A the year after that. And then all the kids that are coming up will have grown up with it and they'll be ready to put it in. So I would say the over under on Robo UMPS is 2024.
1: How much, in your opinion, is that going to help the problem that we just talked about, which is alarming strikeout rates?
2: I. I don't, it's one of those things where I don't think it'll be immediate. Um, but I do think it will favor pitchers at first. And I bet you what happens is what, that they, when I talked about being more precise and changing the, the strike zone, they'll find that they want to change the strike zone to benefit hitters. Um, however that is, but it is funny when you smaller? talk to people who model the game, there's not a lot of agreement about what happens if you make the zone smaller or bigger or this or that, like, There's a lot of people who say, oh, it'll do this. And they're certain about it. But if you talk to people who actually modeled it, they're like, well, this could happen or this could happen. Because the zone has changed a lot. But if you look at the history of baseball, average walk rate has not. Even now, with strikeout rates being crazy, 8.5%, 8 to 8.5% has been the walk rate, like the history of baseball. That seems to be like an acceptable amount of walks. In the game, like if you're thinking game theory, like that's that's how much I'll give up to strike out the guy. So, you know, you could shrink the zone and they'll still maybe walk people eight percent of the time (laughs) so that that has some meaning and that can help you model it. But I can't tell you right now that I know exactly what will happen if you make the zone smaller or bigger or whatever.
1: And maybe a year ago, I thought if you limit the shift so you have the, the defenders on one side of second base before the pitch is thrown that that would incentivize batters to just try and make more contact because they're more likely to get a hit on a ground ball than they were than they are right now. But from you know everything that we've discussing and I've been reading about, it's just so freaking hard to hit the ball now that I'm not sure that that's even worth it. It's still going to be. I'm going to try to hit a home run because that's going to maximize the value for my team.
2: And I think you're starting to see a little bit of inkling of, of teams valuing strikeout rate. You look at the contract that Michael Brantley got at his age. Um, Look at Nick Madrigal and some other players getting starting roles, even though they have zero power, zero speed and not a great glove. There are guys now that like Luis Arise, that they're just they're in there to make contact and improve uh, the team. Like I know that in the post.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. season
2: contact is, is, is uh, strikeout rate is very important. So I think there has been a little bit, and you're starting to see, uh, players like Kyle Schwarber and Cody Bellinger develop secondary swings where they can put the ball in play, where they can take the outside, the high outside fastball and put it to, to you know, go the opposite way there. You are starting to see some of that. I would hate to get rid of the shift and then be, everyone be like, oh, you know what? Grip it and rip it and pull everything, uh, is fine. You know? I'll get a bunch of singles over there too. So that's what I'm talking about in terms of primary and, ter- and secondary and tertiary effects. It's like, you may do it and at first get a bunch of hits, but then it basically turns into everybody's Adam Dunn or whatever. After a while, everyone's just trying to bash it and they'll get some pull singles and some pull homers and nobody's going the other way and nobody's making contact. So these things all sort of go together and, uh, I would, uh, I I would, like I said, just test it in the minor leagues and see what happens, and do it for a couple years.
1: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness, or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We've all gone through a lot over the past year plus with COVID. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in your area and it's available worldwide you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor you'll get timely and thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living happier today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily to see for yourself. Visit betterhelp.com Bronx 21. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. We have a great special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com bronx21. One more time, betterhelp.com bronx21. Are we just living in our bubble where it seems like this is more prevalent than ever, but this has always happened throughout history, these discussions about how do we change the game? How do we make it better? And then just because it's the last five years and we kind of feel like it's magnified and there's more access to everyone's opinions that it just seems more prevalent now.
2: Yeah, I mean, one thing that I don't think people realize so much is how much the game has changed before. I mean, um, if you go all the way back, uh, batters used to request a location for the ball, you know, Um, and uh, the things that we hold sacred in terms of 90 uh, feet and 60 feet and six inches, um, all of those have changed in the history of ball uh the the height of the mound has changed the distance of the mound has changed uh, the polo grounds used to not really have outfield walls like they used to have people picnicking out there and the ball would sort of bounce past them
1: <laughs> so um there a home run there was a home run was a, a ground rule double kind of as a yeah home run exactly at some point in yeah. time yeah uh if it landed in somebody's drink
2: uh you know out in the outfield on the berm you know like uh they they'd make it home um so uh, the one thing I would say is that in the context of history, we've made changes as drastic before, and it's OK. Like, it'll be OK. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, ah, 60 foot, six inches. I was, I was, the baseball I've known my whole life has been that. Yeah, yeah. But we moved them out in 68. You know, we've done things. And uh, it seems to me that strikeout rate has gotten to a point where we're at a crisis and we should consider things like bigger moves that we made in the past.
1: Yeah, instead we get the seven inning doubleheaders and the and the extra inning rule, which you know, love it or hate it, it just doesn't move the needle, and that's my problem with it. It's not that like, I actually don't mind the extra inning rule. I know that's not a popular opinion among baseball fans, but there's 162 games a year. Just go to sudden death in the, and extra innings. Like I'm, fine I don't with know it. How
2: people realize how bad the baseball becomes in like the
1: 18th inning. It's the worst product I've ever seen. It's just everyone's tired. Everyone's trying to hit a home run.
2: Everyone's swinging for the fences. Like if you think people swing for the fences too much, all they're doing in the 18th inning, everybody is swinging for the fences and the pitchers know it. So they barely give them anything to swing at. And it just becomes this like waiting for somebody to connect. And then the game is over. And and, like at some point, a position player is pitching and we thought that was fun. But then, you know, by the 20 millionth position player pitching, we're (laughs) kind of (laughs) like, not as much fun anymore. Um, so yeah, I think the players, uh, and this is kind of important considering the CBA and just, we're asking these players and we asked these players, uh, last year to, to play during a pandemic. Uh, the players, I think for the most part, like, uh, the runner on second rule. Cause they don't really, it's really hard on them to, to, to play. Like, imagine if, imagine if you woke up and instead of an eight hour workday, you had a 16 hour workday and you just didn't know, you know, and somewhere, somewhere in hour six, they were like yeah we're gonna have to have you stay right. all night <laughs> so I don't I don't mind them running around it, it just uh, it creates pressure on the game to yeah.
1: finish you know it, it it ratchets up the pressure a little bit and, I think it's okay. we're talking about excitement it, it does create excitement for, for the 10th inning but it just doesn't do what they are selling us on which they're selling us on we've got to it's for pace of play well it's already the 9th inning 10th inning like no that's not what it's really there for it's there like you said for their benefit they have not made a dent it's going it's going up highest ever this year three hours eight minutes i believe is highest average game ever
2: yeah it's it's they have not done anything i am a, a little bit of a fan of the pitch clock one of the things that pitchers are doing right now is waiting as long as possible between uh throwing and that allows them to throw harder and so i think a pitch clock could uh and also get the batter in the box so you get in the box, you, you, get, you get on the mound, let's do this. And velocity might go down a little bit. And uh, the pace of play for me is not necessarily time in terms of three hours and seven minutes, it's how long between hits or how long between balls and play. And if you reduce velocity a little bit and make them work faster on the mound, you will reduce the time between hits or yeah, between balls because
1: th- i've seen the comparison and people say well 2012 average time of game was 3 hours 1 minute and now it's 3 hours 8 minutes it's 7 minutes like what what's the difference what's the Nobody difference cares about well that. the difference is that in yeah. those 3 hours i'm not watching as much it is not as much like yeah so that's so the main like all- yeah and and you know other sports have
2: this problem too uh to some extent uh, i've seen some analysis of like how much action there is per sport per per hour or whatever, and baseball's not far off. Uh, football, like to me, I'm not a football fan. When I watch football, uh, basically something happens for like 15 seconds, and then we spend two minutes arguing yeah, over what just but happened. It's once a week. I really don't want that in baseball.
1: <laughs> yeah, football. Footballs. They've they've mastered the the once a week. You play once a week. You you, you analyze every play for. Two minutes, and then you then you do it again, and yeah, baseball's not like that. It's it's more it's more rhythmic. It needs to be more every night, flowy. But um, you know, I appreciate the time. Um, Where can uh, people follow you on Twitter and read your stuff in the Athletic? Uh, E
2: n o s -S a r r i s on Twitter. Um, If you're not ready to uh, pay the the, I mean, right now it's I think there's probably like a two dollar a month uh, deal for the Athletic. Um, my podcast is free it's called Rates and Barrels and um, we regularly talk about stuff on The Athletic so hopefully you'll eventually subscribe <laughs> but uh, uh, the Rates Rates and Barrels podcast it's a little bit fantasy um, so uh, that turns some people off but we really walk the line on our Friday episodes with Rick Garoli it's me Derek Van Riper, and Rick Garoli and our Friday episodes um, is just real Hi. baseball so you can try a Friday episode alright you birthday. know I appreciate the time thanks for having me on.